This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Time now to take a trip around Southeast Asia. Lots of content to get through. Indeed, first up, Malaysia, where a fresh COVID-19 surge could threaten plans for interstate borders to reopen. But what do the numbers really say about the situation? And would allowing interstate travel again be a wise move? Uh, up next, we've got a situation in Indonesia where the government has just passed President Joko Widodo's budget for 2022. Some economists, however, are warning against withdrawing fiscal support too quickly. So which sectors need the most help here uh, and do the budget allocations align accordingly? And over in Thailand, tropical storm Dian Mu has caused massive flooding. How will the capital, Bangkok, prevent a repeat of the catastrophic 2011 monsoon flood? Something that still remains etched in the memories of many Thais. Uh, plus, we'll try and head up to the Philippines where their president, Rodrigo Duterte, has given the OK for mass vaccinations for the public. But it's short of uh, making it mandatory. What will be his next move? On the line is Leslie Lopez, regional Correspondent for the Straits Times, Leslie. Good morning. How's it going? Hey, good morning. I, it's doing okay. Yeah. Let's get the weekly update uh, with regard to the situation in Malaysia and its tackle on COVID nineteen. Uh, apparently, earlier this week, it was reported what eleven thousand three hundred thirty two COVID cases. So that trend is kind of going down but the country's infection tally has gone past 2.2 million Sarawak recording the highest number um, what is the latest and you know apart from just numbers what should we read uh, where the data is concerned well you know after some initial missteps the numbers do suggest that the situation is getting better in peninsular Malaysia but the same can't be said about the East Malaysian state of Sarawak Having said that, you know, debt numbers remain persistently high. could be because among the elderly who've refused vaccination. And, you know, September was a pretty bad month, actually, in terms of numbers. But, like I said, the government believes that that the country has turned the corner and it's now considering lifting many of the controls with many states and locations, including, you know, the densely populated Klang Valley, to push this location into some degree of normalcy, especially from in the economic front. Leslie, you alluded to the government looking into lifting a lot of restrictions uh, and controls. Mohidin Yassin, the former Prime Minister, who's now Chairman of the National Recovery Council, said that interstate travel is expected to be allowed from next month. And this is based on data after 90% of Malaysia's adult population has been fully vaccinated. What will and won't be allowed in this regard? I mean, a free-for-all, surely that can't be it. Can this really happen, given the fresh surge in infections? Well, you know, the government really is in a hard spot, especially uh, juggling the crisis and trying to reboot this economy, which has been really mauled, actually, by by the health crisis. And, you know, for starters, they want to start, jumpstart the domestic tourism sector and that will only help if uh, interstate travel is allowed but you know so the government is keen to get things going but many groups are sounding caution the Malaysian Medical Association suggested that interstate travel restrictions should only be lifted after the rate of patients being hospitalized and admitted into intensive care units are reduced to around 50 percent 
you know, uh, the worry is that, you know, like in Singapore, the situation can quickly reverse. So I think it's too early to say. The best advice is, you know, at this point in time, you know, proceed with great caution, follow SOPs, and I don't think anyone can do anything more than that. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Uh, let's uh, deal with Indonesia's budget. Uh, so the Parliamentary Budget Committee has just approved President Joko Widodo's 2022 budget. We're looking at total spending of about, what, 2,714 trillion rupiah. That works up to uh, just a little bit above 190 billion US dollars. Wow. It, it So the idea I'm guessing here is to help the economy because GDP is slated to grow at 5.2% uh, near the middle of a proposed 50 to 5.5% range. What other highlights can you tell us about and can this help in Indonesia's post-COVID economic recovery? You know, the expansion rate is achievable, but what that would mean would be pulling the brakes on you know on any new tax agenda to raise revenues and for the government to to remain uh, to keep a certain degree of spending to inject dynamism into the economy i think the general direction would be to scrap non-priority spending to provide the government for greater breathing room to direct resources actually whatever limited resources they have into areas that will need them you know indonesia is far from out of the woods. South is, it's Southeast Asia's largest economy. It pulled out of a uh, recession in the second quarter of the year. While the recovery momentum uh, was hit by these fresh curbs in July because of the coronavirus, the mm. central bank said that you know, domestic activity has gradually improved. So I think the, the economy will, will move on a positive note, but I think the government has got to be very careful not to withdraw physical spending too quickly. And and like the, like most of Southeast Asia, the situation will be uncertain and challenging. You know, so it it's still it's still there's still very much a lot to a lot of hurdles to clear. Certainly, Leslie. We're speaking with Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent of The Straits Times. He's giving us his analysis of the headlines around Southeast Asia this week. Leslie Floods in Thailand making headlines. The capital, Bangkok, is rushing to contain these floods caused by tropical storm Dien Mu. Some 70,000 homes inundated, six people killed in the northern and central provinces. Can Bangkok avoid a repeat of the 2011 monsoon season? That one claimed more than 500 lives during its worst flooding. Oh, yeah, I remember that covering that, that story, actually. Mm-hmm. You see, tropical uh, Dien Mu that hit Vietnam has caused serious headaches for Thailand which in turn has had to increase the discharge rate of dams in the northern region to, provide, to prevent flooding. But that, that in turn has you know, raised water levels down the length of the country towards the central plains and upper south, uh, resulting in this unexpected flooding. I don't think the, the Thailand government can do much. You know, Premier Tanucha has noted that the worst is not over. Uh, last year alone, Thailand, Thailand was hit with five storms, and this is the first for 2021. So the real question is, uh, what can the government that took over in a coup in 2014 actually do in, uh, from a long-term approach, actually, in dealing this, this this problem that is now, you know, an annual affair? Um, I think 
unless they come up with a with a clear roadmap, uh, opposition towards the government, which is which we are seeing now, is pretty persistent. Factor is only going to is only going to uh, turn up the heat, and uh, this could become another major political issue you know, as the, in the months ahead as the, the rainy season actually will you know will continue to spike. Mm. Uh, Leslie, in the Philippines, President Rodrigo Duterte has approved the vaccination of the general public, including adolescents, uh, of course, against COVID-19. And this is due to start in October. Uh, All this after he said that the government can use its police power to compel everyone to get vaccinated. He also warned government workers to get vaccinated or leave public service. It's quite his style to speak this way, I suppose. Uh, But later he clarified that there must be a law first to make vaccination mandatory. Yeah, we got a couple of questions about this, but I suppose to start us off, Leslie, how has this been received generally in the Philippines? You know, the vaccine rollout, you know, is facing a number of hurdles in implementation, and it's to be expected in a country as complex as the Philippines. Vaccines, while they become more available, uh, but getting them to right subgroups, especially in the most vulnerable, uh, those most vulnerable among the urban and rural poor, that, that is really still remains very patchy. And one of the biggest problems facing Philippines is this vaccine hesitancy, actually. Mm. So, you know, together with all of this, you know, and Philippines, like most countries, is trying to uh, achieve herd immunity, but with different variants and um, causing different kinds of problems, yeah. uh, this becomes a moving target, actually especially for countries like Philippines. And I said, vaccine hesitancy is a huge problem in the country. And uh, hence, Mr. Duterte's, you know, know, typical bombast, you know, know, I'll impose police law and everything else. Uh, You you can't help but detect that, you know, that that really desperation in the voice to try and get some kind of uh, handle on this health crisis, actually, for countries complex as Philippines, especially to get the economy going. And sometimes those bold statements tend to make things worse rather than better, right, <laughs> That's true. Yes. Thank you very much for that, Leslie. Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent at The Straits Times. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.